You're listening to audio from Queen City Church. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message will encourage you and offer practical steps for a relationship with God that keeps getting better and better. We are in week number four of a series that we're calling A New Way to Be Human. And in this series, we're shining a bright spotlight into the life that many of us are living, a life that is categorized as normal. And a life that if our normal life is often addicted to busy and always in a rush and always on the go and always living with no margin and always spinning a whole bunch of plates, we're maxed out. And the truth is this type of normal has devastating effects on our mental health, our emotional health, our relational health, and even our spiritual health. In fact, doctors are even calling psychologists, modern day psychologists are calling the normal life that many of us are living a disease of lifestyle that often leads to us being so stressed and tired and exhausted and worn out, always full of anxiety or even blowing up into full blown depression. And the truth is, guys, normal isn't working. Normal is not healthy, normal is not good. There's a part of our soul that knows that we know that we know that we need something more than normal. And the truth is we don't need to just tweak a few things. We need a whole brand new way to be human. And the good news is that's exactly what Jesus came to bring us. And so all series long, we've been looking at this beautiful invitation from Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, where in the Passion Translation, he, he puts it this way, are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Other translations right here say, are you tired? And I just wanna encourage you to answer that question yourself in your heart. Is that you? Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you carrying heavy burdens? Here's the invitation from Jesus. Learn, uh, come to me, I will refresh your life. For I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me. For all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. And here's what these verses are saying. These verses are saying that the solution to our normal life, our disease of lifestyle, where we are constantly busy, tired, and exhausted, is following Jesus. It's literally living the way that he lived, doing the things that he did. In fact, in verse 29, I love the invitation from Jesus in these verses where he just simply says, learn his ways. Like, come learn my ways. In the message paraphrase, it puts it this way, learn the un." forced rhythms of grace. And that's what we're doing in this series. We're taking a look at the life of Jesus and looking at this this person that we're called to follow. And does he have these rhythms in his life that if we implemented those rhythms in our life, we could actually tap into the more and better life that he has for each and every one of us. And last week, we talked about the importance and the necessity of this one rhythm that we see Jesus experiencing over and over again, and that's going to what we called the quiet place. Maybe it's your devotional time, or I I call it my quiet time. And it's consistent time where you intentionally spend quality one-on-one time with God. Like that should be a rhythm 
of our life. And this week, we're going to be talking about another rhythm from Jesus's life that has the potential, I believe, with all of my heart to change your life. I believe this rhythm that we're talking about today has the ability to take our trust in God to a whole new level. I believe that this rhythm that we're talking about today can increase our dependency on God. And I believe it has the power to literally break off the addiction to busyness that many of us has. And to set this up, I wanna tell you a story. And it's in this book by Parker Palmer, it's a book called A, a Hidden Wholeness. And in this book, he tells a story of farmers that back in the day in the Great Plains area of our country would, pre- would prepare for severe winter blizzards by tying a rope. Uh, some people earlier today said, oh, the eternity rope. No, I got more than just that, okay? <laughs> it's not red at the end, okay? Um, that'll come. Oh, something just broke. It got looser. Okay. Um, But (laughs) in this book, he told a story that farmers would tie a rope during these blizzards, um, that they would do that by tying a rope from their house to their barn. Now, the reason why farmers would do this is because how this came about was because many times those blizzards in that area of our country would hit so fast and so strong and so suddenly that people would actually freeze to death in their backyard, wandering around trying to find their home. And so this discipline came about, this proactive discipline of tying a rope from the house to the barn so that whenever the storms would hit, all we gotta do is find this rope and this rope would safely lead us back to health, and to our home. Now, here's the truth. Here's the reason why I I tell that story. Because many of us right now are living in a blizzard. Now, thankfully, we're not living in a physical blizzard. But many of us, make no mistake about it, we are living in an emotional blizzard called our pack schedules, called our out-of-control pace of life, where we have so many things at times come in like a wave and a flood. And there's so many things to do, and there's not enough time to do it. And there comes this, 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 this blizzard of our inability to stop. And that we have this addiction to being busy, this addiction of accumulation and accomplishment, that we can become such consumed in this emotional blizzard. And today, what I wanna talk about, church, is that God has provided for us a rope to be able to get through and survive this severe emotional blizzard. I wanna talk to you about a rhythm that was actually a part of Jesus's weekly schedule. Today, if you're taking notes, which I hope you are, we're gonna get very practical today. I think it's gonna help you. I wanna talk over this subject of the Sabbath. Something that's not talked about a whole lot in 2023, but I wanna talk to you about this rhythm that was in Jesus's weekly life. This was a rhythm that Jesus actually described in Mark chapter two, verse 27, as something that, listen, that this was made to meet the needs 
of people. Isn't that amazing? That this discipline, that it was made, tailor-made to fit your needs. And this is a rhythm that goes all the way back to creation. In fact, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, very famous verse that many of you know, says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And for the rest of chapter 1, it, we see and it details the creation account. So for six days, it says that God, he creates the world and everything in it. And then this is what happens on day seven. Genesis chapter two, verses one through three, it says, so the, so the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed in six days. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation so He rested from all his work. Now, I want you to notice that God did not rest because he was tired. Theologically, God cannot get tired. Like God rested not because he was tired. Listen, God rested because he was finished. Listen, God's rest was a rest of completion, not exhaustion. And it goes on to say in verse three, and God blessed this day of rest, this seventh day, and declared it holy. That word holy means set apart because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. So notice the rhythm. If we read Genesis chapter one and two, it says that God, he created for six days and then he rested for one day. But I want you to think about this, and I'm gonna need a little bit of participation. It's okay to talk back a little bit in church, so I need some literal help from you. If you're online, feel free to say something at your home or type it in whatever chat that you're in. But I wanna ask you a question. So on day six, what did God create? People. Created Adam, and he created Eve, he created people. Now, let me ask one more question. What did, What did God do on day seven? Rested. So think about this. So people's first full day alive was a day of rest. So from day one of humanity, God is teaching you and me that this rhythm that he created is so important. In fact, it's essential. Now, the theological term for this day of rest is this word Sabbath, and it comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat that literally means to stop. Now, I've been working on a definition, and here's my best definition of this word Sabbath, and it's God's rhythm of setting apart one day a week to stop working to intentionally rest, delight, and worship. If you want to know what does this word mean, it's God's rhythm of setting apart one day a week to stop working, to intentionally rest, delight, and worship. And by the way, this right here is a big deal to God. And here's how I know. Because it made God's top 10 list. Go look at the Ten Commandments. This made the list. It's on the same list with don't have any other gods, don't murder, don't steal, don't commit adultery. And it is hands down. Here's what's crazy. The longest, most explained commandment. In fact, if you were a nerd enough to be able to pie chart the 10 commandments, 
you will see that that commandment, which is commandment four of the 10, that it is 37% of the 10 commandments. And here it is in Exodus chapter 20. Let's read it together in verses eight through 11. Here's what the 10 commandments says. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. That word set apart. You have six days each week to do your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, your dogs, your auntie, everybody, and your foreigners living among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. This is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Church, get this. This is the only spiritual discipline in the Ten Commandments. That's it. You will not find go to church in it. You will not find read your Bible. You will not find giving money away. You will not find serving. You will not even find praying. This is the only one that is in the Ten Commandments. Now, I have, throughout the years, had people push back on the Sabbath. I've heard people argue things like, yeah, well, the devil never takes a day off. Listen, even if that's true, I do not want to model my life and the patterns of my life after the devil. (laughs) I've read the book, he loses. It is a losing strategy. I've also heard some people say, yeah, well, like, yeah, but like that, that's Old Testament. Pastor Brian, that's OT. See, that's when we were under the law, but now we are under grace. And if that is you, if that's what you're thinking, two things. One, you're right. We are under grace. We are saved. Let me make this perfectly clear. We are saved only by grace through faith in Jesus, period. So we don't keep the commandments to be saved. Now we keep the commandments to be blessed. Because here's why, because there are positive consequences when we obey them and there's negative consequences when we don't because God's ways are God's ways for a reason. They're all ways to help you. They're always to be a blessing in your life, not a burden. Like they're always to make your life better, not to make your life worse. So yes, you're right. We are under grace. The second thing I would say is like, okay, point out any of the other 10 commandments that still don't apply today. Murder? <laughs> Lying? <laughs> Sorry, officer, I know that I murdered them, but your boy is under grace. I mean, it just <laughs> doesn't apply. It's OT. No, it's not how it works. It's not how it works. By the way, our next series is going to be a series over the Sermon on the Mountain, and here's what you're going to learn about Jesus. Jesus doesn't lower the bar. He actually raises the bar. So grace actually raises the bar. We'll talk about that later, okay? Um, And also I would just say in Hebrews chapter four, verse one in the New Testament says this, therefore, since the promise of entering his Sabbath rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. Verse nine, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of 
God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. So my question today is, okay, so why is this timeless commandment? Why is this important rhythm that we see in Jesus's life, why is it so important? And I I thought of a lot of reasons, but I thought I would just give you three. So let me give you three of the 67 reasons why I think this is such a big deal. Write these things down. Number one, here's why it's such a big deal, is the Sabbath gives God the opportunity to supernaturally provide. That's why it's so important. Because of the Sabbath, it actually gives God the opportunity to supernaturally provide. Now, in your Bible, the very first time that this principle is mentioned, the word Sabbath, the very first time that that word is used in the Bible is Exodus chapter 16. It's actually four chapters before the Ten Commandments were given in Exodus chapter 20. And the context is, is that the people of God were in the wilderness, which was a time in between getting out of slavery in Egypt and entering into the promised land. And they were traveling in a very large group. Most scholars believe that this was up to 100 people that were all traveling in one group through the wilderness, which meant that they had very limited resources, including food. And it says that God, he started to supernaturally provide food from heaven every single day called manna. And the Bible also says that this manna was only good for one day, that God would provide just enough for them to make just what they needed for that day. That's why Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. And so they would get their daily bread, but if they tried to save it, that bread would actually spoil the next day. It was God teaching them a way to like, I'm gonna provide for you every single day. And so that's the context behind the very first time that this word is used in scripture. And here's what it says in Exodus chapter 16, verse 23 through 26. He being Moses, their leader, he told them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow will be a day of complete rest, a holy, and that's the first word that it's the first time it's ever used, a Sabbath day set apart for the Lord. So bake or boil as much as you want today and set aside what is left for tomorrow. So they put some aside until morning, just as Moses had commanded. And in the morning, the leftover food was wholesome and good without maggots or odor. Moses said, eat this food today for today is a Sabbath day. Dedicated to the Lord, there will be no food on the ground today. You may gather the food for six days, but the seventh day is the Sabbath. There will be no food on the ground that day. Here's what God's saying. God is saying, like, I'm not going to provide for you on day seven because I provided for you supernaturally on day six. And by the way, this is just like the principle of tithing. I don't know if you know this, but God's math doesn't work the same way that ours does. This is just like the principle of tithing because tithing is believing that God can do more with 90% of your finances than you can do with 100%. Listen, Sabbath is the tithe of your time. It is believing that God can do more with six days than you can do with seven. And let me just go ahead and just say, that goes against your logic. That goes against what's normal. That goes against the message of culture. That goes against the American dream. It just does. And it, it, 
Let me just say this. If you don't think God can do more with six days than you can do with seven, all I want you to do is look at Chick-fil-A. Christian chicken, the gospel bird. I mean, just manna, modern day manna from heaven. In a fast food restaurant industry where most are open seven days a week, many of those open 24 hours a day, they are only open six days because of this principle. And get this, they make more per restaurant than McDonald's, Starbucks, and Subway combined. Isn't that awesome? Now listen, that is, give them praise, okay? I don't know if you you didn't hear what I said. I mean, I I threw out three heavy hitters out there. I didn't talk about some bubbo fast food. I talked about these heavy hitters. And it says that they make more than that combined. See, the Sabbath, we got to get this principle that it gives God the opportunity to supernaturally provide. Here's the second reason why I I think it's so important is that the Sabbath gives us the opportunity to trust God. Not only does it give God the opportunity to supernaturally provide, it also gives us the opportunity to trust God. Let's go back to that story in Exodus chapter 16. After God said, guys, I'm going to supernaturally provide for you, this is what happens next. In verse 27, some of the people went out anyway on the seventh day but they found no food. In other words, they did not trust God. And here was God's response. He asked Moses, how long will these people refuse to obey my commands and instructions? And maybe you read this with this tone. Like how long would these people refuse to obey my commandments and my instructions with a big scowl on God's face? That's not how I read this. I read it as him like saying, just when will they trust me? Like when, when will they trust that my way of life is actually better than their way of life. Like how long will they keep doing things their way when they're sacrificing the life that I have for them? If you wanna know what is at the very heart of this principle that we're talking about today, this rhythm, this spiritual discipline that was in Jesus's life that should be a rhythm of our life. If you wanna know what's at the very core of it, it is this question, do I really trust God. That is what this principle is about. Do I really trust God? Do I really trust that God's ways are better than my ways? Do I really trust that God and God alone is my provider? Not me, not my job, not my company, not my clients, that God is my provider. Do I really trust that with God, I can accomplish more in six days than I can without God in seven days. See, the Sabbath, it gives us the opportunity to trust God. And then the last thing that's really important you gotta get is number three, that the Sabbath is coming one way or another. It's coming. The Sabbath is coming one way or another. Listen, you can ignore this as long as you want but it will eventually catch up to you. Let me put it this way. You either choose to stop or something will eventually stop you. Here's why. None of us are made to go nonstop. None of us are made to just keep going. And now I don't care who you are. I don't care your personality. 
I don't care your capacity. I don't care how tough you are. No days off. I'm telling you, none of us are made to go nonstop. And when you try, you will go against the grain of how God designed you and how God designed life. And like a wise man once said, when you go against the grain, you're bound to get some splinters. And in this book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which is a book that I highly recommend. We're actually getting a lot of our content of this series from this book. It could be a good way to kind of learn more. The author of this book, he writes this. And by the way, in, in, when I read this, I was like, I got to read this to the church verbatim because I, I, I wrote it. I wrote in the margin, wow. <laughs> so prepare your heart for some wow, okay? This is what he writes. He says, the last time a society tried to abandon the seven-day week was during the French Revolution. They switched to a 10-day work week to up productivity. The result was disaster. The economy crashed, the suicide rate skyrocketed, and productivity, it went down. It's been proven by study after study, there is zero correlation between hurry and productivity. In fact, once you work a certain number of hours in a week, your productivity plummets. Want to know what that number is? 50 hours. Ironic, that's about a six-day work week. Almost like God knew what he was doing. One study found that there was zero difference between workers who worked 70 hours and those who worked 55. Could God be speaking to us even through our bodies? Wow. Wayne Muller, he puts it this way, if we do not allow for a rhythm of rest in our overly busy lives, illness becomes our Sabbath. Our pneumonia, our heart attack, our accidents create Sabbath for us. I recently heard a story of a businessman in the country of Japan who for years worked as many as 110 hours a week. To put that into perspective, that's more than two and a half 40-hour work weeks jammed into one. This requires you to work 16 hours a day for seven days. And he did that week after week, month after month, year after year. Coworkers came in one morning and found him dead at his workstation, the victim of a heart attack. He was 34 years old. Listen, Sabbath is coming one way or another. Now to end, I would love to get very practical because I get asked a lot when a conversation like this comes up, like, that's cool, I buy into all that. I tried to give you the why, I tried to give you why this is so important, the top three principles that I could think of to kind of sell you on this needs to be part of your life, but the question inevitably switches to how. Like, what should I do? And here's the number one question that I get asked on this topic. What should I do on the Sabbath? Like, what should I do? Now, let me give you four things, and I got to go super fast because I'm almost out of time, and we got to baptize some people, okay? Here's number one. I'm going to go through these fast. The first thing you should do is you should stop. You got to stop. 
Specifically, stop working. The clearest thing in the Bible about the Sabbath is what you should not do, and that is work. So don't do any work related to your job. However you put money in your bank account, however you put food on your table, don't do work. No meetings, no emails, no receipts, no conference calls. Listen, it can wait one day. Now, let me say this, don't be legalistic. There are times when something unavoidable comes up like a really time-sensitive emergency. I understand that. That happens to me too. Jesus, he even says in Matthew chapter 12 that if your ox falls into a ditch on the Sabbath, pull him out. Don't leave your ox in there. What's wrong with you? Get your ox out that ditch. Jesus said, it's in the Bible. It's in there. But I will say, that if your ox falls into the ditch every single week, you may not be doing your job the best way. Like you may have some really bad systems attached to your job. Listen, that should be the exception, not the rule. So what should you do on your Sabbath? The very first thing is you got to stop. Here's the second thing, rest. You gotta rest. And by the way, that doesn't mean sleep all day. That doesn't mean, hey, on your Sabbath, just be super lazy and sleep all day long. Even though I highly recommend sleeping in with no alarm and or allowing yourself to take at least one nap. But it's more than that. That's not what it means by rest. See, it's resting your mind. See, some of you, you have a very high demand on your mind job. You spend your whole work week thinking, problem solving, creating, doing all that. You need to have a time where you get to turn that off, where you get to rest from decision-making, problem solving, creating. I heard it said that if you work with your mind, rest with your hands. If you work with your hands, rest with your mind. So it's resting from your mind. It's resting from your normal pace and like normal busyness of life. It's resting from the things that distract you from being present and disrupt your peace. That might mean that you need to once a week turn off the news or not be on social media. If that does that to you, if that only stokes the fire of busyness and comparison and all these things, shut it down for a day. I promise it'll be there the next day. You'll survive, but it's it's resting. Here's what it really is. It's asking yourself this question. What drains me physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually? and then rest from those things. Answer that question, write some things down, and then don't do those things for a day. That's what that means. So you gotta rest. Here's number three, delight. So not only stop, rest, but also three, delight. You have to delight. Here's what that means. Do the healthy things that bring you life. Do the things that are good for your soul. The things that bring you so much joy, peace, contentment. Do the things that recharge you and refresh you and fill you. That might mean delighting in God, delighting in God's creation, delighting in relationships, delighting in your spouse, delighting in your children, delighting in friendships, delighting in good conversation, delighting in good food. But just spend some time delighting. It's asking yourself this question. 
It's the opposite. What brings me life physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually? It's asking yourself that question and then just doing those things. It's delighting in those things. And by the way, that's gonna be different for each and every person. There's not this one size fits all Sabbath in a box that everybody can do. Because what may bring me life may not bring you life. So I'm not up here telling you all the things that I do so that you can do those things. I'm saying you go ask God that question and write those things down and then delight. Give yourself permission to be able to do that. And here's the last thing that you gotta do. Not only stop, rest, delight, but also number four is worship, is worship. By the way, this is what makes your Sabbath different than a day off. Because when I say worship, I don't just mean singing in church. Think way bigger than that. Here's what I want you to think of when you think of that. Because maybe you just think, okay, so I just sing. Okay, no, think, think of this. On the Sabbath, intentionally do things that realign your heart towards grateful recognition of God's character and God's goodness. That's what I mean by that. In other words, do things that remind you of who God is and what God does. And that can look a lot of different ways. Yes, it could be going to church. I know many people that this is their Sabbath day and part of their Sabbath rhythm is going to the house of God, lifting up the name of Jesus, encountering the presence and the power of God in worship, hearing the absolute best preaching you've ever heard in your whole life talking with people in the lobby, meeting new people, serving on a team, helping make this thing happen, feeling so fulfilled, walking in your God-given purpose, teaching kids Jesus on their level, playing the keys like Lusanne. Like this is part of maybe what you can do on your Sabbath. But listen, it's a Sabbath day, not a Sabbath hour or a couple hours. And so maybe it's later today, I'm just gonna rest I'm just gonna take a nap and just trust God. I'm gonna have an amazing conversation or I'm gonna read a book that's gonna help me grow or maybe I'm gonna have a uninterrupted, not on the clock, quiet time with God. I'm just gonna let him just speak to me. Maybe it's just going on a long walk and recognizing God's beauty in creation. But what should you do on your Sabbath? Tell him you should stop, rest, delight and worship. That help anybody today? Now, now, let me ask you a question. Doesn't that sound amazing? Like, doesn't that sound so life-giving? Doesn't that sound like that would, that would be so good for my soul? Now, here's what I find so fascinating that God had to command that. That he had to say, okay, right up there with don't murder. Like, you gotta do this. Because part of me would be like, why does he have to convince us of this? Why is there something inside of us that says, I don't know, that ain't for me. Why would we wanna push that away from the table that we're sitting at with Jesus where he says, I want this to be part of your diet. Like, why? It's, it's, it's almost like 
it's almost like our default setting is not to do this. It's almost like if we're not intentional, we will always end up. Left to our own devices, we will drift towards always being busy, in a hurry, maxed out, exhausted, stressed out, worn out. But today, I hope that the Holy Spirit of God is speaking directly to your heart and he is helping you see and maybe your eyes are opening to the fact of what he said in Exodus chapter 16 verse 29 that is just as true today as it was on that day when God says that I want you to realize that the Sabbath is the Lord's gift to you. It is like every single day, this gift is like God saying, hey, I'm giving you a once a week holiday and it's a gift to your life. So church, let us, like the words of Hebrews chapter four, verse 11, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And before we end today, let's hear from God for a moment. Let's just take some time. And I would love for you to pray this prayer. Would you just ask God right where you're at? God, what are you saying to me? What are you speaking to me? Ask him that. Maybe ask him this, like, what does my response need to be to this message? How can my tomorrow be different because of what you're saying to me today. And maybe your response is very, very, very practical. I tried to get as practical as I could. Maybe it's, you, this isn't part of your rhythm. And maybe God is saying it's time. It's time to take some steps towards this being part of your rhythm and taking a consistent Sabbath, just like Jesus did, that he says, hey, this day is made for you. Maybe if like that seems so overwhelming, your life is so maxed out, you can't even imagine doing that. Start somewhere, start with half a day, but work your way towards a full day. Maybe it's to implement one of those very specific things and maybe you need to do more delighting. Maybe you need to rest for some things intentionally. Maybe you need to go and answer those questions. What, what gives me life or what, what really takes away? What, and so just ask that question, God, what are you saying to me? But here's what I wanna end with. Here's the truth. We cannot find true rest outside of Jesus. That's why in Matthew chapter 11, this invitation, Jesus says, hey, if you're tired, weary, exhausted, he doesn't say take a day off. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. And so maybe you're here and you feel far from God. Maybe you've never made the decision to give him your life. If that's you, the, in, the invitation today is not just to take a Sabbath, the invitation is to come to Jesus. And we wanna give you that opportunity. We wanna give you the opportunity to make the decision to go all in with God to give him your life, to receive the free gift of grace, to come to him. And maybe you never have, and maybe it's gonna be the very first time that you come to Jesus. Or maybe you have before in the past, but for whatever reason, you find yourself here today and you feel so disconnected from God. 
and you just feel like he's a million miles away, the great invitation still stands for you. Come to me. He says, come, come back to me. Maybe you need a fresh start. We wanna give you that opportunity. We're not gonna embarrass you or make you come forward or point you out. All I wanna do is I wanna lead you in a simple prayer. And if today you know that that is your next step, that you need to either come to him for the very first time or you need to come to him all over again and receive a fresh start. If you're here and that's you and you know that is your step, before you do anything, that's what you know that you need to do. I'm gonna ask you on the count of three with the eyes closed to raise your hand as a step of faith, as a sign of humility saying, God, I need you. And if you're here and that's you and that's your decision today, I wanna pray with you on the count of three, raise your hand, one, two, three. If you're here and that's you, raise your hand. I got you, I got you, I got you. Anybody else? I got you, it's awesome. You can put your hands down and pray something like this in your heart. Just say, Jesus, I love you, I need you. And I'm sorry that I've lived my life without you. Right now, I ask that you come live inside me and will you change me? Will you make me brand new? Right now, I receive your grace. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your fresh start. And in response, I give you my life. I give you everything. I surrender my whole life to you. And today, I choose to follow you. Not just for today, but for the rest of my life, I follow you. We thank you so much for Jesus. And it's through the mighty, powerful, awesome name of Jesus that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Church, will you do me a favor? There's people that just made the best decision of their life. Can you clap your hands? Come on and celebrate with them. Yeah. If there's anything in your life that we can pray for, please visit queencitypeople.com slash prayer. For the latest updates on our church, follow us on social media at Queen City People or visit queencitypeople.com.